You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast, and this is episode number 65. Today, we have Caitlin from Boise, and she listened to the podcast for the last two weeks of her pregnancy, and oh my gosh, I remember the day that she posted mm-hmm. in our Facebook community that she had got her VBAC, and she posted it's pictures. Like a month ago today? April. Oh my gosh, it is a month ago today. Your baby's a month old today. Caitlin. <laughs> It's exciting. <laughs> a month, well, yeah. Yeah, it's a 22nd, Four, five, isn't six it? weeks. Is your baby yeah. six weeks? Uh, just about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, the post was a month ago. I'm yeah. a little confused Yeah, over she here. posted a month ago, and we yeah. were super excited. Yeah, I didn't oh get a chance to really get on Facebook. I was kind of busy. <laughs> yeah, you were busy, busy snuggling huh? that baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love oh, it. But we're excited because she's got quite the story. And for anyone that has gone past their due date and anyone who's had a long labor, then you're definitely going to want to pay attention to this story. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into it, Megan has our review of the week. Yes, I do. And today we have a review from Babe 6 on Apple Podcast. She says, everyone needs to hear the truth in this podcast. So many women have false beliefs about VBAC, and now I have a place to send them to hear stories that address hard topics in such an uplifting way. Can't stop listening. That makes me so happy. (laughs) Keep on listening, Barbara, babe. And I hope that all of you out there will continue to listen. We've got so many stories. We get submissions in almost daily, seriously, um, multiple sometimes. Yeah, it's really hard to go through. Yeah, we have so many moms that want to share their stories. So we're only going to have it you know continue to have amazing content for you and if you haven't already leave us a review if you're on apple podcast stop the podcast right now head over scroll down and give us five star rating and tell us what you think or head over to facebook or google and tell us what you think because we love hearing it and we read them on every single episode so that are on Wednesdays anyway. And um, we just love it. So yeah, and we respond to well, we can't respond on Apple reviews, but we respond on Facebook. And mm-hmm. guess what? We're on Google My Business. Like this is the coolest thing ever. Google just notified me and said that our Google photos got 363 views last week. And that's pretty cool because we only have like six photos on Google. A Google My Business or whatever. Yeah. So if you want, you can head over to Google Review because you Google, just Google the VBAC link will pop mm-hmm. right up. Click on the right side to the business and leave us a review there. And that would make us really happy too. <laughs> Absolutely. Because we only, I mean, yeah. 363 views, that's really cool for not mm-hmm. really having that many pictures. I know. I don't know. It just sounds, maybe that's a it's little fun. stupid. I'm the statistics person. We're just going to get right back into it now. <laughs> You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, all right. Caitlin, my friend, I 
cannot stop looking at these beautiful pictures. I have a screenshot of them right here in front of me. And I'm just going to be staring at your beautiful birth photos while you're telling your story. So if you just want to take it away, then I will just let you go ahead and share. Okay. With my first pregnancy, it was kind of a shock because I wasn't expecting to be pregnant. And um, I kind of got the works when it came to prenatal care. I just got like the generic OB and um, I, I got everything that was recommended for prenatal care. When I first went in, I didn't even know I was pregnant until 12 weeks. I was so out of tune with my body. I just had no idea until I threw up a couple times in the morning and then I was like, hmm, maybe I should take a pregnancy test. I took six and I still didn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so then I finally went and got an ultrasound. We were about 12 week, weeks along and, um, and then we got another ultrasound a couple weeks later for like the gender test and all that, uh, like 20 weeks, I want to say. And they found, they measured the umbilical cord and they said that it was a little too small for what they want the size to be so they transferred us over to it's like called family medicine it's like they specialize in um, ultrasounds so we got another one done and he's like no it's actually perfect it's fine and then we went back and and they kind of ignored that that the specialist said that it was normal then later on we kept doing our normal stuff through the prenatal care and around 35 weeks 36 weeks I got my last ultrasound and they said that she was measuring way too small I actually had a horrible experience that day because we got our ultrasound and then you go and see the OB afterwards but you have to sit in the waiting room and I was waiting in there for an hour and 30 minutes with my mom and I was I was waiting and waiting and I was like, okay, well, I'll just wait until my next appointment. And I just told them that I would come to my next appointment and we could talk about it or whatever. And then we went home and they called me 30 minutes later and told me that I need to come in as soon as possible. It's an emergency. And I was like, is it really emergency? Because I sat in the waiting room for an hour and a half. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, if you don't come in, um, she kind of like did the fear mongering thing. She said something about your baby's going to die, oh something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you supposed yeah, to do so I, as a first-time mom? Like, what are you supposed right. to do? Right. So I freaked out. Um, I knew that she was measuring a little bit small on the ultrasound. And so I started doing research before I had gone back in. I did my research on ultrasounds and how accurate they are, and especially in the last few weeks, right? Right. And so I knew that they weren't very accurate. And I went in... And I didn't even have my normal OB that day. She was on vacation. <laughs> so, I mean, that's another red flag, but I didn't see that then. Yeah. And um, so I got another lady that I had never met. And so she was telling me that I needed to go in for a C-section tomorrow. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> that's not happening. You know, it was just a lot of fear-based stuff. And um, then she was like, well, we can do an to an induction and I was like I'm more prone to do an induction than just jumping into a c-section right so I agreed to the induction and we went in the next morning just get it started I got Pitocin around like I want to say nine o'clock in the morning nothing really happened pretty much all day Um, I started finally getting contractions 
painful ones, I want to say in the evening time. Gosh, it's hard to remember everything that happened, but um, we got I got checked at one point when um, the contractions started to get worse and worse. They were upping it every, like, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think they went to the... They ended up going as max as they could go. And I got checked at one point, and I was... One of the ladies said I was six centimeters, and then another nurse came running in immediately, like, after the other nurse had left. And she was like, I need to check you right now. And before I had even comprehended what was happening... She was down there checking me. Oh. And then she tells me that I was at a three. What? And that was so discouraging. <laughs> you know, I've had that happen before where I had yeah. one one nurse check a mom and she was like, yeah, you're like five centimeters. And then another one came in and they're like, no, you're like two. And then again it happened mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, you're like eight centimeters. And they were setting up a delivery cart and she was three. I'm like, how does that differ that much? Yeah, because it's all subjective. Like, yeah. they just spread their fingers apart and guess. But but a six to a three. like I, That's really anyway. huge disconnect. <laughs> so keep going. But I'm like, how does that happen? <laughs> so at this point, my contractions were, like, really, really, really painful. And now what what I know what natural contractions feels like, the, the Pitocin contractions are incredibly different <laughs> from, yes. from my perspective. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. So by the end of the night, I got my water broke. They came in and broke my water when I was at that three, right? <laughs> then the contractions started coming even harder. Eventually, they were 20 seconds apart, lasting about a minute long. And I finally, I I, I did get the um, the gas mask and all that. At first, and then I got fentanyl, Mm -hmm. and fentanyl didn't, it's like the pain med, right? Yeah. Fentanyl didn't do anything for me except knock me out, so I was falling asleep, and then I'd wake up screaming every 20 seconds, and then fall asleep, and then wake up screaming every 20 seconds over and over again, Mm. and finally I was like, I can't do this anymore, get me the epidural, and it took them, I want to say, it felt like forever, but it was probably just a probably 20 minutes to 30 minutes that they finally got him in. I was still every 20 seconds nodding off and someone had to hold me up while they were doing it. And I was almost falling over and, and they weren't very balanced. So they were like, you got to hold still, you got to hold still. And I literally could not, <laughs> I was passing out. And um, as soon as he did the epidural, they laid me back down and I don't really remember exactly what happened, but I went into respiratory arrest. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> was that from the fentanyl, do they think? I don't I don't know. It was like immediately after the epidural. So oh. it could have been a mixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then they um, stabilized me. Baby was doing just fine. And they just let me sleep until morning time. <laughs> so I woke up. I don't know exactly when, probably around 11. And I was sitting there debating with myself what I wanted to do. And I was like, well, I can't go home. My water's broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then um, I just debated with myself for a while. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get the C-section because I can't continue this induction. Like, there's no way. So the OB, which is the one that 
told me that I needed to come in as soon as possible. She came in and I told her that I wanted a C-section and she was like, okay, and we'll have it ready in like 30 minutes. And they went and got it ready and I went down and they got that all done. <laughs> and it was actually like kind of peaceful to have the, the C-section. Mm-hmm. The C-section part wasn't the traumatizing part for me. For me, it was the induction. The C-section yeah. was okay. I mean, it was uncomfortable, obviously, but it was actually okay. <laughs> it was peaceful and everything happened. They laid her on my chest for, I want to say, a couple minutes. And then and then my husband took her and then we went into recovery and all that. And so after that, I was kind of like, I'm never doing this again. I'm never going to be pregnant again. <laughs> and um, needless to say, we we did not continue with that thought. <laughs> we had um, between her birth and conceiving my son, we had two miscarriages after oh, the C-section. Goodness. One of them was twins and the oh, other one wow. was just a single yeah, that. <laughs> that was really hard. It is hard. And then we we conceived him, and I was since the C-section, I immediately started researching birth. Like I just didn't stop. I just kept going and going, and I kept doing courses. I've done three doula courses already. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and I I listened to podcast after podcast and I just went crazy for birth right Mm -hmm. because I if I did get pregnant again it wasn't going to happen like that again (laughs) so I wasn't going to I uh, oh gosh I want to say my second miscarriage I was researching unassisted birth And I was determined to at least have a midwife or do unassisted. So that was where I was at at that point. Mm -hmm. And that was just a couple months before I conceived my son. So then I conceived him and we didn't get any prenatal care. Well, I went and saw this, not the same OB, but in the same practice. I saw a different OB in the same practice. And so I told them that I wasn't going to get the generic prenatal care. I wasn't going to get any early ultrasound. I wasn't going to get the blood test. I wasn't going to get a pelvic exam, all that stuff. And he was totally fine with it. He was like, okay, that's fine. And then I said I was only okay with the 20-week ultrasound. And that's the only thing that I was going to get done. And he was like, okay, we'll we'll see you then. then. (laughs) And and that was around eight weeks. And then we came back around 20 weeks got the ultrasound and then after the ultrasound we go see the OB and he wasn't there but the nurse came in and said well baby's measuring small so we're going to have you come in in another four weeks for another ultrasound and I said no thank you (laughs) and she looked at me like she's never heard anyone say no in her life it was she probably hadn't (laughs) (laughs) and so at that point I was like well I don't think I don't think this practice is even a good fit at this point. So I did want some prenatal care to an extent. I just didn't want like everything, right? Yeah. So I switched over to the hospital midwives, the midwives that have access to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Because if I did have to transfer to the hospital, I wanted a midwife, right? Right. So 
I transferred over, and I absolutely adore this midwife. Her name is Megan Kitterman. <laughs> She's hey, Megan's great are pretty awesome people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's awesome. I I transferred to her around 24 weeks, I want to say, and I kind of told her what happened with the ultrasound and how they wanted another one, so I was not going to go there again, and she was like, okay. <laughs> I think she got the gist that I wasn't going to do it <laughs> no matter what. So I got prenatal care with her. I actually asked her if she would do the fetoscope. She didn't have one at the time, but she asked her, her the OB in the practice that she works in about fetoscopes and stuff, and he had an old one, and so she got that to use on me, which was really cool. We couldn't hear baby until, I want to say, 32 weeks, but I had one at home that I was listening to baby, and sometimes I could hear him, sometimes I couldn't because it's just, it's hard with a fetoscope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Old and, school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we didn't hear him until around 32 weeks, and then she could find him pretty much all the time after that. Yeah, I didn't get anything other than just saying hi to her and doing the fetoscope, and we did the um, the belly measuring. And that was it with prenatal care. She did ask if I wanted the GBS test at 36 weeks. I told her that I wanted to do it at 39 weeks. Good. And, um, Good for you. Yeah, we, we did that at 39 weeks. It came back negative. I was also doing, like, preventative. I was eating a ton of raw garlic and probiotics and stuff. So. <laughs> good job. Yep, good for you. Those are all good ways yeah. to help boost that immune system and prevent that risk. Yeah, yeah. I definitely didn't want to take that risk at home, so I did a lot of preventative care for that. And then when it came, oh, when I was 35, 36 weeks is when I started having, like, predominal labor. They would usually only come at night, and they would go away as soon as I fell asleep. So mm. it wasn't anything serious. They weren't comfortable, but it was fine. <laughs> And then around 40 weeks, they started coming like every single night. It was, it was uncomfortable and a little bit painful, but it wasn't. Well, it's exhausting. It yeah, it is exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting yeah. for you. you know? It is. I don't think I left my house for the last, I want to say three weeks before 40 weeks. <laughs> so I just. I had my daughter who was two and I feel horrible that I had to stay in the house, but I slept so much yeah. and I needed it obviously <laughs> considering Absolutely. how long my labor was, but yeah. And so I was having abdominal labor all past 40 weeks, almost every night. And then around 42 and two, 42 and two days, I started having the labor sensations again around nine at night. And then they were starting to actually get consistent. They were six to eight minutes apart, and they stayed in there. When I was having the other sensations, they would sometimes be 20 minutes, sometimes be three. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was maybe coming time, and I had gotten a little bit of a bloody show a couple days before that. So I was like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. I knew it was coming, but I wasn't sure when, and I was trying not to have too many expectations. I was just going to let it happen and... And whatever happened, happened. <laughs> yeah, so that night I went to bed and I was like, you know what? They're probably going to go away in the morning. We'll see. And my husband told me that I was tossing and turning all night and moaning in my sleep. And that's so silly to me because <laughs> I've never 
done that before. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I was able to sleep through them if I was tossing and turning and stuff. So yeah, I woke up around three o'clock in the morning and they were starting to get pretty painful. And then I had some more bloody show and they started to get even closer together. They were about five minutes apart by then. And I, I wasn't sure how long my labor was going to be or how short it was going to be. So I, I, called my best friend and my photographer. (laughs) And so she came and she actually had her daughter with her because it was so early in the morning. She didn't have a babysitter yet. And so she, she laid her, her baby down in my baby's room because my baby left (laughs) with my mom. And then um, everyone was asleep and I was still having sensations and she was just there just in case. (laughs) morning time came and and my husband went to work because we weren't sure how long it was going to be and I didn't want him to to not go to work and then us not have the baby that day right (laughs) but they were they were still about five minutes apart all morning I had um, a friend come over who uh, was training to become a doula she came over just for some extra support I actually wasn't planning to have a doula or or really anybody except my husband and my photographer. So she was someone extra that just wanted to come and hang out and support me and and get some experience. So we filled up my birth pool, and I labored in there for a couple hours. I don't really know how long, but it was nice. The pool was really nice at this point. I, I enjoyed the pool at this point, but later on I don't, <laughs> which was really a bummer because I – had just bought it like a week prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the pool, I would like go to, so we bought a mattress to put in the living room so I could be comfortable in the living room and everyone could be there. Yeah. So I would lay on the mattress and at this point I couldn't lay on my back at all because I was having such bad back labor. So I would lay on my side and then a contraction would come and I'd kind of hop up and be on my knees kind of leaning over the bed and that was really comfortable as far as comfortability gets during a contraction (laughs) and then it started to get my back labor was like so bad so I got like a heat pack and I had that on there for a while and I eventually just got in the shower and put hot water right on my lower back and that was the best thing in the entire world (laughs) I was in the shower for most of the day and into the evening. And the only reason why I got out of the shower at any point was because the hot water ran out. (laughs) So I'd be in and out, in and out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'd be in there for a good 20 minutes, but when you're laboring, that's just not long enough. (laughs) And then my husband got home around 7 at night. I got back into the pool for a little bit, but I really did not want to be there. It did not help me whatsoever with my back labor because it was just so painful in my back. So I just went back to the shower over and over and over again, and I started to get too tired to be in the shower. Mm-hmm. So I just, because I have such a tiny shower, it's a standing shower, and it's, it's it only fits one person. So I couldn't even put a chair in there if I wanted to. So then I'd um, labor on the bed some more. I was sleeping in between the contractions and laying on my side and then lifting myself back up and 
against the bed like I was. And my husband started to give me counter pressure on my back. And that was just the best thing. It was just constant pushing on my back that felt really good, like pushing inward. Yeah. And that was just the best thing. That was the only thing I wanted (laughs) for a long time. And uh, he was playing video games, trying to stay awake because it was so late at night. I would get up and and get ready for him to push on my back, and he would be a little bit too late. (laughs) And I would snap at him a couple times. I'm like, you need to pay attention here. (laughs) I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was, like, snapping at him. And and (laughs) everyone thought it was really funny, but I was like, this isn't funny. I'm in so much pain. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, hello, everyone should be on point right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You need to know when my contractions are coming here. (laughs) And so around 1 o'clock in the morning, one of my other friends came and brought all of us Dutch Bros. What's a Dutch Bro? It's a a coffee place really, really popular around here. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was like, is this like some goodie that I need to try? Yeah. Okay. It's a coffee place. It's really good. (laughs) That's awesome. And so I got a chai tea, and that was, like, the best thing in the world at that point, getting a little bit of sugar in me. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I just kept laboring on the bed. I eventually puked twice after I had my chai tea, of course. And then around 4, 5 o'clock in the morning, I want to say, the contractions were almost getting, like, unbearable, and my husband was barely able to stay awake. So... You know, he wasn't giving as good counter pressure as he could have been. He actually ended up cracking his hand and it was bleeding (laughs) from doing it so much. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he was was trying really hard, but it was getting painful for him, too. (laughs) Yeah. And so I finally got a little bit of strength to get back in the shower I got in the shower, and then I got my first contraction in the shower, and the shower didn't help at all at that point. And I was, I just wanted to cry and scream and give up, and I didn't think I could do it at all at that point. And I just, I I honestly was like, give me the epidural. (laughs) I'm at home, but give me the epidural. And I got out of the shower and I cried to my husband. I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. I think it's time to go in. And he was like, no, you're so close. You can do this. And that's what I told him to say when I got to that point, which kudos to him. Shout out to him right now (laughs) for listening to me beforehand. But I was, I mean, 30 hours in at this point. And I was like, no, I'm done. I I tried the best I could. I'm ready. I'm done. (laughs) So he was like, okay, if you're sure. And I was like, oh, I'm sure. I'm ready to go. (laughs) And so we got in the car. Everyone packed up and got in the car. And we went, or we called my midwife. And she, I live five minutes away from the hospital. So it really wasn't a far drive. We got there before she did. We met at her office first so we could skip triage, basically. And um, she asked me if I wanted to check because she kind of knew that I was going to be quote-unquote difficult (laughs) and I was like you know what I really actually want to know how far along I am and so I I did the check and I was about seven and a half to eight centimeters and at that point oh my gosh yes I can do this I had a burst of energy at that point 
not really like physically a burst of energy, but mentally a burst of energy. Yes, that, is, <laughs> that is just as important. Yes. <laughs> so I was so excited. I was so ready. I was like, this is going to happen really soon. Maybe a couple more hours is what I told myself. Needless <laughs> <laughs> to say, it was going to be a little bit more than that, but I was really excited. And then, so how the office kind of works is, is the lower level actually leads into the hospital from this outside office building. So we went down the elevator and down these long, long halls and to go down to the hospital. And during this walk, I was, I had to stop like every couple minutes and, and labor a little bit and then keep going. And I was like, this is so horrible. <laughs> they were giving me counter pressure in the middle of the halls, you know, and then we finally got to the elevator that led us up into the hospital and we got into my room. They already had my room all set up. They had the jacuzzi already going. And I don't even remember taking off my clothes. All I remember is being in the jacuzzi. So I probably threw off my clothes as soon as I got in that room. <laughs> but as soon as I got in the jacuzzi, my contractions actually started to slow down. And they were probably around 8 to 10 minutes apart. And, you know, a lot of people would say that that was like, not a good thing that I was stalling and stuff like that, but I actually needed that. Well, I was sometimes that's what the body does. Just rest yeah. before it pushes mm -hmm. the baby out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I fell asleep in between contractions and I got so much rest and everyone was asleep in my room. I was just in the bathroom, <laughs> in the tub, sleeping and contracting. And yeah, my midwife was awesome. She, um, she would pour hot water over me while I was while I was laying there and really relaxed me and and then I I want to say I was there for like hours and hours but I don't really know how long I was there <laughs> in the jacuzzi and I eventually got out I I got out and I want to say that I want to say that I um, labored on the bed for a little while I would do the same thing kind of that I was doing at home. I would lay on my side and then my best friend and photographer hooked up these, it was like a sheet at the top of the bed so I could pull on it. Mm -hmm. And so I would grab onto those and lift myself up during a contraction and contract like that. And then I'd lay back on my side. And I, I want to say that I did that for <laughs> a long time. I tried the peanut ball. It was the most uncomfortable thing in the entire world for my back. <laughs> it was not happening. It can be hard yeah. sometimes to be in that position. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable, especially with women who are unmedicated. Yeah, it was it was really difficult. I it was not happening. So and by this point my hair was like completely napped and stuff from getting in and out of the shower and in the jacuzzi and stuff and my best friend uh, braided my hair and I have more photos of that it looked really cool around two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> uh, my midwife asked if I wanted another check I said yes please mm -hmm. and um, she said that I was a nine almost a ten but I had a cervical lip mm -hmm. and I was like oh my gosh I'm so close why isn't this happening faster it's <laughs> hard but, yeah <laughs> So I asked her a lot of questions about like how I could get rid of the lip. She said to like induce more contractions and stuff like that. And 
So I, I got on the side of my bed. There's like a little handle on the side of the bed, and I started doing squats. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> I was like, let's get these going. <laughs> and then the, I, I did that probably for like five minutes, and I was like, okay, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, it's hard it to hold really your body bad. up like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then she got me out uh, the birth stool, and that was like so nice to sit on that and my husband sat behind me and would give me counter pressure during the contractions and I would lay against lean against him when I was resting and stuff like that. So that was really nice. Yeah, I felt like I had to push at this point, but um I wasn't sure about the cervical lips. I didn't want it to get swollen if I was pushing and it wasn't gonna budge. So I asked her to check while I was contracting to see if it would move at all. And she said that it was still there, it was still pretty, pretty the same from even an hour before. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> how long is this going to last? Yeah. And so yeah, that's hard to be so that hard. close yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah. So I sat there for like three or four contractions, just debating on what I wanted to do, if I wanted to wait or if I wanted her to push it back. And at that point, I was like, I just I want to be done. I'm so tired. I just want to meet my son. I'm done. So I just asked her to push it back. And, you know, I never thought I would do that, like say to do an inter- intervention, right? But I was yeah. I was so ready for it and well, I made an informed decision. Yeah. yeah. I did exactly what I wanted to do and that was the most yes. important part. And she was more than pleased to do so. She broke my water and I did have meconium staining. It was very light and it, she knew that it wasn't really concerning, but she did say that the NICU had to wait outside our door because of hospital policy. And I was like, okay, but nobody touches my baby. And she's like, don't worry, nobody's going to touch your baby. (laughs) (laughs) She's, she was pretty, she was awesome. So during a contraction, she would, she would reach in and push, try to push the cervical lip back while I was pushing and um, I think this lasted for like five or more contractions. It was so painful. It was the wor- I, it was the worst part. I think of the entire thing was her pushing that back and yeah. me me pushing against it. <laughs> but it was so worth it because right after that, he pretty much was so ready to come. Yeah, I sat on the birth stool until he was like almost ready to crown and then I moved over to the bed and on my hands and knees and used that um the pole ties that my friend made for me and I would every time a contraction came my body actually was pushing it by itself I wasn't actually like forcing a push or anything it was just happening which is like the craziest feeling in the entire world right um it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how any way anyone can ever tell a woman to stop pushing because it's like... Yeah, really it, it, there was no possible way I could have ever... <laughs> so I was pulling on those while my body was pushing and like I was roaring through these because it, it felt good and it hurt at the same time. It was it, crazy. The weirdest feeling I've ever felt in my entire life. <laughs> and so he finally crowned and then I felt that ring of fire that everyone talks about that is no joke (laughs) my like lion roars turned into a like a screech and then I was whimpering (laughs) I was like no I can't do it anymore I can't do it 
And then the nurse that was assisting my midwife kind of just patted me on the back. She's like, but you're already doing it. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. <laughs> and so, like, one more, maybe two more contractions came, and I could just feel him coming out. Like, I just knew he was coming out. And I um, I lifted one of my legs, so I was kind of, like, in a runner's position, mm-hmm. but on my knee still, on one knee. And then I reached down and just scooped him up as he was sliding out and I put him on my chest and then I went back down on both of my knees and (laughs) the first thing I did is I just buried my face onto his head and I didn't even care about the blood or anything yeah at that point I was like covered in blood I was I hate the hospital gown so as soon as I was ready to push I stripped that off so I was completely naked and I was covered in blood and it was crazy to say but it was like the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my life (laughs) I love it it. um your pictures are pure beauty too like it's just so raw and just oh it's amazing the one of you I don't know is someone like I don't know whose hand it is but they're like touching your head in the bed and you're just crying and you're like looking down at the baby like kind of crying like oh my gosh oh yeah that was um when I first watched him um Yeah, so uh, they gave me a blanket to put over him, but nobody touched him. Nobody touched me. He was actually born almost at five o'clock. I turned and sat on the bed and I was like covered in blood and I I didn't watch him right away. I was waiting for him to kind of pink up and and we were just kind of watching him and he made a couple cries. He actually made one as he was coming out too, but then he, um, he took a minute to pink up and and to cry, uh, like, really good, and to get everything out, and so I, everything was great, and then I felt, like, a gush of blood, and I was, like, okay, the, pl- the placenta detached, and so I was, I was really, really in tune with, like, I'm delivering everything naturally, not just my baby, right? Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so I, I do remember kind of pulling on the cord a little bit to see if it if, if it would budge, and then I, I I did another little push, and then it just came right out, and I was like, "Woo, that was easy." Yeah, <laughs> I was so scared awesome. of that part because I was like, everyone talks about how they're not sure how to do it, and I'm like, I'm just gonna go with what feels right, and that's what felt right. So, and then um, he stayed attached for a long time, but yeah. So once he pinked up, and he was breathing awesome I tried to latch him and it was the very first like latch and he just latched right on and I just started bawling because with my daughter that must be the picture picture I think that I'm talking about because he looked like he was just just regularly started nursing yeah 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 and my daughter she was born at 36 weeks so it was hard for her she was on a nipple shield for two months before Mm. she was able to latch and hard. so when he watched, immediately I just started bawling, and I was so happy. And, oh, man, it was the best feeling in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the feeling that I had for him, it's horrible to, to like, think about, but, like, I immediately had this, like, connection with him. And I didn't get that with my daughter at first. Yeah, I have an either. amazing connection with her now, but that immediate connection with him being able to do all that was just incredible. For sure. 
Um, I, I would agree. I noticed different immediate, like, not that I don't love my, you know, I, I love my babies, mm-hmm. but I have that immediate connection with them that I, or with him, that I didn't feel with the others, you know? Yeah. It was just different. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, I was the exactly. same. Exactly. Oh, you have such a beautiful story and beautiful <laughs> pictures and it's just amazing. It's amazing what all of these mamas, such as yourself, go through and bring these beautiful babies into the world. And you commented on our, you're in our community. Our VBAC yeah. community on and Facebook. And we love when we get pictures like that or emails and and stuff like that. So thank you so much for commenting and posting your pictures and um, sharing those with the other women because just like you're doing right here on the podcast right now, you're going to be inspiring all the women in the group, all the women who listen to this podcast, and all over the you know all over the world. So we really thank you so much. And for all of the listeners out there, if you're not a part of our VBAC link community on Facebook, search it and we will get you added. Don't forget to answer all of the questions. We yes. are really strict and we will not accept until all the questions are answered. So be sure to answer those questions. It's the VBAC link community on Facebook. Absolutely. We ask those questions because we want to keep this community a safe and supportive mm-hmm. space. And we Absolutely, go through yes. every single request and we read the answers to every question. And we also look at the groups that you're a part of because we want to keep our group safe, like I said, and supportive. We don't tolerate any hate, any bashing, bashing, anything. It's all just love and support. And so Mm -hmm. if you're looking for that, definitely join our Facebook community and share your story with us because what makes our heart happy, Megan and I, is when we see a post in the community and we read it and we're like, oh, we need to hurry and respond so that woman feels loved and supportive. But then we click on the comment and there's already like six to 10 to 12 other responses from people offering the same love and support that we would offer. And so it truly is a supportive community. And we also comment and participate in these discussion threads and respond as much as we can in that community as well, because we love meeting and connecting with you. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.